This is a Federal News Network podcast. Agencies produce and collect reams of data every day, but not all of it goes to good use. Chief data officers, who are mandated in each agency by the Evidence Act Congress passed two years ago, are running data inventories at their agencies to better understand what information is available and what's needed to help shape management decisions. But good data is only half the battle. The Department of the Navy is also focused on improving the baseline data literacy of its personnel. For an update on that work, Federal News Network's Jory Heckman spoke with the Chief Data Officer of the Navy, Tom Sasala. It's been a challenging, I guess, last two years or so to kind of get things going and get things organized. As you can imagine, the Department of Navy is a very large organization, and we've got a lot of different pieces and parts. And so we're still kind of muddling through some of the finer points and the details, but we have our big kind of uh, gross muscle movements already nailed down, which I think is an important step forward to really getting our handle around data, right? So we stood up things like basic data governance. Uh, we have the data governance board, which uh, reports to the undersecretary. We're in the process of establishing what I'll call formalized processes for how we want to handle some of their data management activities. And then we are also simultaneously focusing in on building workforce acumen and increasing the skill sets of our of our workforce on terms of just being a basic digital citizen or data citizen, or we're calling it. And then on the other side, which is training people and getting the tools in place to allow people to exploit data for the purposes of decision-making and creating operational advantage and you know, helping the warfighter. And so those big three things are the things we've really been focusing on for the last two years. Uh, I would say you know, moving forward, we are pivoting really more into the, what I'll call operationalizing our data, which is using our data for decision-making purposes, moving away from just basic descriptive analytics into some more of the predictive analytics where we're starting to use algorithms and models to drive predictions into the future and allow us to do really long-range planning for funding and you know shipbuilding and how many aircrafts we need. And uh, also getting into some of the predictive maintenance from an availability perspective, a platform availability perspective. And so those those are really exciting areas. And so all that is requiring us to really identify folks in the organization who have these skill sets. How do we get them to work inside a common environment where they can share techniques and practices and, and so that we're not constantly relearning lessons that we've already learned to optimize the environment, create a more efficient, effective platform. So that's kind of where I think we're heading in the coming weeks, months, years as it were. And we've got a lot of interest from the VCNO, the Vice Chief of Naval Operations, as well as the Undersecretary, who are really starting to wanted to use data to drive things like the navigation plan for the for the U.S. Navy, right? Uh, and the Undersecretary wants to use data from a performance management perspective to really understand where are we in the story in terms of performance, you know, how much risk are we actually accepting in certain areas, and those sort of things. And that allows us to do more mechanical things like making sure that our budgets are more accurate, that we're spending our money timely, that we're spending our money wisely. And so those are some more practical things we want to use the data for and some predictive analytics. Fantastic way to frame the rest of the conversation. One little follow-up on the training piece of things. In terms of that workforce piece, is the goal to perhaps raise the overall data literacy of the workforce? Is it about getting those maybe top echelon folks, the data scientists, the, the really specialized people? Is it a little bit of both? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, you, I think you nailed it. It is a little bit of all of those things, right? So what we want to do is we do want to increase the overall acumen skill set 
the understanding and availability and awareness of data for the entire department, everybody in the department, right? Get folks to understand when they're creating data and they're putting data into systems, you know, what the downstream impact of that data is for the ultimate consumers. In many cases, we have very young folks that are out in the field, out on the ship, they're pressed for time, they're under a lot of stress. And, you know, they're engaging in what I would characterize as kind of bad data quality behaviors in some cases. So getting them to really understand why it's important that they, as the data is created and is put into the digital system for a first time, right, that it's accurate. And then on the very flip side, right, the most senior leaders of the department, making them, bringing some awareness to them about what is available for them to use. Uh, They ask a lot of, uh, you know, questions all the time. The questions are very complicated. It takes time to answer the questions. So if we can kind of start noodling through for the most senior leaders, whether it's you know up at the Secretariat or at OpNav or over at the Headquarters Marine Corps or down at that S2, S3 level, right? If we can answer some of their most basic questions in a regular and routine manner, then that allows them to focus more brain power, more energy, more time on what are the integration problems that they need to get after and how can they use data more effectively in a more broad way, right? And then there's everything in the middle. There's all those, I'll call them sort of cultural barriers, the norms that have been established over the years between the system owners, the functional proponents of the data sets, as well as some of the cybersecurity professionals of not sharing data, locking data away, not making it fully transparent. And so what we've started to do is through, uh, we have this thing called a constellation process, which as a facilitated section of functional stakeholders and data professionals, we bring them together and we, we noodle through some ideations about what data we might need and how the data might be used and then where we might find said data. And so what we found is by putting the functional stakeholders together with some of the data professionals, it collectively brings that acumen of the workforce up because now the functional stakeholders understand why we as data professionals are asking for the data. They have better context for how the data is going to be used. So that provides some a level of comfortability or you know trust that we're not going to misuse the data in some regard. And then we can adequately describe to the folks who are really responsible for curating this data, some of the quality issues uh, from a senior leader perspective, how they might take this data, use it in different purposes. And so the constellation process has actually proved to be a really great training tool for us. It was never intended for that purpose. It was intended for the purpose of discovering what data is out there and making the data available to answer questions and to drive outcomes, right? But we're actually seeing it as a much more of an acumen-based skill set evolution thing for most folks. And most functional folks actually say, oh, I don't know anything about data, right? And it turns out that they do. They know a lot about data. It is their data. They use it every day. They manipulate it. So what we're seeing is they actually are very comfortable with their own data. And generally speaking, they are very uncomfortable with other people having their data. And so again, bringing those folks together provides that extra level of comfort and trustworthiness. And then we can start focusing in on the acceptable use of the data, the quality of the data, and how the data might be interpreted or even speculating on how it might be misinterpreted, right? And so bringing those different constituencies together, I think, has really helped with that education. You know, on the flip side, too, we do have some formal education programs that we are doing in terms of you know, data science and getting digging into the, the hard cores of machine learning and artificial intelligence and neural nets and all that other stuff, right? The base of what we really need is really more around just fundamentals of data more than that top tier, maybe one or two or 5% of the workforce that's going to really be, you know, digging in on algorithms and regressions and that kind of stuff. So I think it's, uh, you know, the last couple of months have actually been very enlightening for me professionally as we engage in some of these processes and, and really start bringing people from across the forces together in a room, which 
as you would imagine, as a big organization like the Department of the Navy, we don't really get the opportunity to get people to integrate very often. And with COVID, it's been <laughs> exceptionally difficult. So, you know, things like this, like the, the CBR teams that we had, as well as Zoom and, and all these other platforms have really helped us to bring people together. And uh, it's been really fascinating to me anyway, on how people really are banding together and, and really want to do the right thing and very altruistic when it comes to the data. Uh, you know, once we have these conversations about uh, appropriate use and, that, and whatnot. That's Tom Sasala, the Navy's chief data officer, talking with Federal News Network's Jory Heckman. You can hear this interview anytime at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. During his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's Chief of Legislative Affairs. Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the President and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest credit union where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. Phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy. with uh, six actual actual uh, afloat commands. Uh, the first one was when I was 27 years old. Uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything. And it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Uh, and then after I retired after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm I'm currently retired and enjoying life, and um, it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style, and how's that developed over the years? My style has been quite consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, it's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin. And what I mean by that is um, the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about. But that should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change, situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them and find out what they're doing and where, what you can do to help them. Uh, I, we'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it um, from C to the C-suite. Fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but. Uh, the quality that that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual and that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only 
my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon, um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day. And I knew that he had numerous problems of his own, but he would stop and he would focus on me and he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, and I, I tried to do that um, throughout my career, but really it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used that you used to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention. And it was, it was you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Um, absolutely. Um, what I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't have anybody to turn to to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? You have to be the captain of that ship. And I, I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federal's organization, where I would tell branch managers that I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. You're the ones that are facing the, the members or customers, as others call them, every day. And you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance, in some cases, and without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship. Step up, uh, make decisions, uh, do what you think is right, and you never can go wrong. I think that is so important. And you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And, and I mentioned that I took command of my first ship uh, with five years in the Navy and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy and um, his, his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to, to spend an assignment with, uh, with backup and, and guidance like that. What, what great, great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, um, From Sea to C-Suite. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes, when I was at Navy Federal, I would tell sea stories. Uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they gonna say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment and it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book and I needed a co-author to help me. And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan who was the perfect, perfect co-author. She turned in my stories into wonderful chapters um, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon uh, and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. Uh, and I might add that um, any proceeds from the book, Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons in, in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And, and uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I, I, I would like to add one thing if I could, Shane. <clears throat> um, during my assignments in Washington, D.C., 
I gain the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, and they, they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from the Pentagon. They stayed every day and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect, thank you. Yeah, WEPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is, is continuous, it's nonstop and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants, as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally agree. And, and I can tell you from the US Navy standpoint, uh, we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler, and to everyone listening to Lessons in Leadership podcast. We'll see you next time. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.